If you want to become a millionaire, you have to educate yourself. There's no millionaire out there that didn't, especially in real estate, that didn't have some Mm -hmm. sort of education. And every time you level up that evolution, you're going to have to change your identity a little bit. Welcome to the Small Steps Big Wins podcast, where I'm dedicated to helping you take control of your life. I'm Sue Saller, and I'm excited to be your host on this journey. I'll be bringing you inspiring stories, practical tips, and expert advice to help you overcome obstacles, set and achieve your goals, and live the life you've always wanted. Together, we'll discover that making small changes is not only possible, but can lead to big results. Join me now as we explore the power of positive thinking, the art of goal setting, and strategies for success. Are you ready? Let's go do this. On today's podcast, I interview Whitney Elkins Hutton. She is the Director of Investor Education at PassiveInvesting.com, founder of AshWealth.com, host of the Passive Investing Made Simple podcast, which is also found on YouTube, and a partner in over $800 million in real estate, including 6,500 residential units, seven express car washes, and more than 2,200 self-storage units across 11 states. And she also has experience flipping over $5 million in residential real estate. Listen now as we unpack the three important questions she asks herself, the definition of passive investing, and exploring what it can mean for you. Enjoy today's episode. Whitney, welcome. I am so glad you're joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me here. This is going to be awesome. I know. I'm looking forward to it. Everyone has a superhero backstory, and I would love to start with yours. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, so currently, I am the Director of Investor Education at PassiveInvesting.com. We are a private equity group that focuses on uh, acquiring uh, hardback real estate assets, multifamily, self-storage, hotels, real estate debt. I'm also the founder and consultant at ashwealth.com. That's my own private company where I teach people how to get into real estate, either actively or passively. Um, so uh, anyways, I didn't start off in real estate investing. You know, I didn't go to school for this. I actually went to school in public health and um, stumbled into act, uh, real estate completely by accident. I bought a house with a significant other, hit a home run on that house. Um, with equity, you know, building the equity after I flipped it, after the relationship fell apart. And I realized I made more money at that investment than I did at my day job that kept me traveling about 80 hours a week. And fast forward, picked up 30 single family properties when I realized, hey, if I actually want to break paycheck dependence, those golden handcuffs, have Mm. financial freedom, I needed to figure out a way to actually make these things cash flow. And so mm. did that. Um, so my husband and, you know, we did some flipping projects together. We were still flipping the whole entire time while we were acquiring these single family properties. And then we had a baby girl. I was taking care of some family members. And I realized I need my time back because mm-hmm. really what I had done is scaled myself into another job. Now, granted, I was mm. making far more money at that second job. But I was still working my first job too. And oh I was my like, goodness. Oh, okay. I need time. I need time. I need freedom of time, freedom of choice. Heck, I want freedom of location. I want to be able to travel with my family. And what is the impact that I really want to make in the world? And that's where we decided we were going to uh, step into larger institutional grade assets and learn how to syndicate multifamily assets um, and also invest in other people's businesses and kind of figure out which one, which of these strategies is going to win. And I'm not going to spoil the conversation here, but as you can 
see. I do work for a private equity group, so still kind of have my feet in both both sides mm -hmm. uh, of the spectrum there. But really, it's the passive investing, having a core portfolio built of passive investments has allowed us so much more um, flexibility in managing our finances, has given us that time freedom and choice freedom that we so desired, not to mention the location freedom. And what I get to do here on a daily basis is, you know, educate investors on the powers of investing in real estate and more importantly, how to do that as passively as possible so they can get the lifestyle they, they desire. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it sounds like you're leveraging all your life experiences from owning single family. And I want to circle back to that in a minute from owning single family to helping people achieve that financial independence through the education. And that's a big component too, because people hear a lot of these terms, I can go into syndication, or I can be part of a uh, JV group, or I can put my money passively somewhere. But, but there's a, an education curve that goes on before somebody can part with say 50,000 or $75,000. I want to circle back around. Do you still own all that real estate? Yeah. So, you know, the, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022, um, really taught us a lattice lesson and taught me a lesson. I mean, uh, I, COVID was amazing for me. Um, I mean, not getting COVID like that sucked. Right. <laughs> I mean, everybody. Totally tragic what, what what happened in the world, but I mean, just the the the, the social experiment of you know um, you know now my daughter's schooling from home, I'm working from home. You know, once I got past the like, why me? Like it wasn't my choice, and this was forced upon me. I was like, wait a second, this is what I wanted, and here's this experiment <laughs> yeah. that I get to try. And but I still had all those day to day responsibilities of asset managing an art core portfolio, trying to also um, asset manage a larger portfolio with partners and you know syndicated real estate, you know. And, and I found myself again in that position of burning the candle at both ends, and then a couple times in the middle. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to get my time back. Well, like, what is that eight, that 20% action that's going to get me the 80% of my result? And when I sat down and really sat with some three core questions, uh, really led me to believe that I need to focus on passive real estate. And I was in this beautiful time um, because we saw a, a huge run up in pricing toward in single family real estate. It wasn't natural, right? This was market forces right. working for us. And so we were like, wait a second, we can sell a lot of the single family real estate and either trade mm. up into um, higher quality properties, get out of our C plus B minus properties and get some A class properties that were going to cash flow way better or without, without the headaches, you know, some of the tenant headaches, the capbacks and deferred maintenance headaches. And we can convert mm -hmm. a lot of this, you know, um, liquidate our ATM, if you will, uh, and mm -hmm. move that into passive real estate to where we were completely hands off. Um, it also allowed us to diversify our portfolio because we had, um, you know, we we're about 40% in single family real estate at that point in time. And okay. so I really saw the opportunity to get into some larger institutional grade assets that scaled, you know, were valued different, you know, not on comparable sale, but on net operating income and just really, you know, put some safeguards and bumpers in our portfolio. We're in a very different market today. Now, yes. asset prices yeah. are still pretty high. Um, but, you know, it, it was it was being able to see the writing on the wall and figure out what mm -hmm. do I need to do right now to shore up my portfolio?
Well, that makes sense. I mean, and, and to your point, yes, it's a little bit different in the market today, but a lot of people have replicated the last three, four, maybe even five years is going to be very difficult to replicate going forward. What were those, you mentioned three questions. What were those three questions that helped you cross the precipice and make you realize, wait a minute, single, single family portfolio that I was managing is there's got to be a better way than this. Well, so, you know, keep in mind in this time, you know, I was working in a private equity firm, you know, I was a, a minority partner in some syndicated real estate. And I went out and was sitting down with one of the partners, you know, our families are together. It's a lovely afternoon, you know, in the California sun, we're just having a grand old time. And I just turned to one of them and I said, hey, listen, you know what? You know what's going on with all your property you know she she had at that point in time i think 40 duplexes mm -hmm. uh, sorry 40 units 20 duplexes she was like oh i sold them all i got the last one i'm like you're what <laughs> you can do that Talk to me about that <laughs> yeah. and i'm like well, what are you doing with it and so it was it's just this amazing conversation ensued and my husband and i just kept ma making these side what sideways glances with each other because that whole entire week that we've been on vacation i had even though I had property management in place, I was still managing the property manager. I had told the property manager, don't call me unless something's burning down. And mm -hmm. sure enough, like he's calling me for a tenant issue, utility issue, Home Depot mm -hmm. didn't deliver the right uh, washing machine to this other property. I had to call them because it was on my credit card, blah, 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 blah. And I'm oh. like, I don't want this, right? And funny enough, at the end of this vacation, I was due, I had it on my calendar, sit down and ask these three questions. This was my quarterly process. And I sat down and this time when I opened up the questions, the first question is, what do you want? And I was like, I don't want to manage people or processes anymore. That is what I want. I want my time back. Now I don't pretend that we have other active businesses and um, that I fully control. And, you know, I, I've put all mm -hmm. of the processes myself i'm not relying on somebody else's processes and so for me that kind of feels better um, but mm -hmm. that first question, what do you want and that thing is every time you move the goalposts that's why i say you have to ask these questions on a regular basis because every time you hit a milestone and move the goalposts what you want is probably going to change or modify a little bit um, because yeah. especially if you start thinking larger right you first mm -hmm. what do you want you might just want a thousand dollars coming in every month Right. So you can pay right. off some bills and take family on a cool trip or take them out to a nice dinner. But as you start scaling your income, 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20, 25,000 dollars coming in a month, that want changes. The second mm -hmm. question is, why do you want it? And the first time that people start asking that question, they're probably going to tell you what they don't want. And that is what they're mm -hmm. running from. So that's the fire mm -hmm. under their ear right now to get them out of that pain. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. we are more motivated by pain than we are by pleasure as a culture. Yeah, as human, that makes really. sense. Not, even, not just unique to us, um, but it's just as human beings. Right. But really, mm -hmm. you have to start digging down because if you start making decisions on your building your portfolio and investing based on what you don't want, you're going to find yourself mm -hmm. like, you know, shiny objects syndrome all over the place, yeah. right? You have to dive down in to figure out what you do want. And it generally boils down to five core freedoms. Now, I don't want to rob anybody of this process. Um, financial freedom, time freedom, choice freedom, freedom of location, freedom to create some sort of impact in the world. That's 
generally the five areas that people land on. But generally, I'm just going to ask you, what does that question mean to you? Like, how would you answer that? How did you? I want to be with my daughter. I want to, you know, be with my family. I want to take vacations. But then, why do I want to do that? Because I want to build experiences Mm. in life. Why Mm -hmm. do I want that? Well, I didn't get those. And I'm just going through my wise. You know, I didn't get to Mm. have those experiences with my dad. And whenever, by the time he was able to retire, he was very ill. So I feel kind of robbed of those. Well, okay, then why do I want to build those experiences? You know, why is that important to me? Because I was robbed of them. It's because I don't want to pass along that trauma to my family. Mm-hmm. Time's now. It's the time for me to do it now. And so you see where I'm going. You're digging mm-hmm. down, and eventually mm-hmm. you're going to hit financial freedom, time freedom, choice freedom, freedom of location, freedom to create some sort of impact in the world. That's generally the five areas that people land on. Okay, but now you know what you want or have some idea. Why do you want it? Third question is, who do you have to become to get this? And again, every time you change that want and modify that want, who do you have to become has to change too. Your mindset has to shift. You have to um, acquire new skills or bring new people into your world that have those skills. And then you have to create new networks. You know, maybe it's a mentor or a coach or a community um, or just going to conferences, being, bringing those people into the, the world so your world conspires for you and you don't feel like it's conspiring against you. So, but again, those things are constantly, they're moving pieces. They're, they're not stagnant. Right. It looks different for everybody. And you bring up a really good point about, you know, it's who you have around you. Because a lot of people take their identity and like, well, I'm a cashier or I'm a teacher or, you know, the, you fill in the blank with that. But when, like you said, when you really dig down deep and go down five levels of why and you keep peeling that back, then as you said, you realize you have to go seek out other people because if you want to become somebody, if I want to become a millionaire and I hang out with broke people, I'm not going to become a millionaire. I got to go find out what millionaires do. Or if I want to be a passive investor, I need to go hang around with passive investors. If you want to become a millionaire, you have to educate yourself. There's no millionaire out there that didn't, especially in real estate, that didn't have some Mm -hmm. sort of education or network or paired with operators or paired with real estate brokers or whatever. They didn't Mm -hmm. do it on their own. It's very real business. And every time you level up that evolution, you're going to have to change your identity a little bit. You have to. Um, this is one one of those things. Like I think, as a culture, uh, I can speak for myself. My identity was completely tied to my job. I think we're conditioned mm-hmm. to do that, especially going through the educational system in college and everything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. We're taught we're taught to tie our identity to our job, our self worth to our job. But as investors, there's this, you know we first of all in our job we don't have to do that. But as investors, we get to right. unhook that identity. But we have to, okay, if we're going to become an investor, now it's like we get to pursue this want and this why. Mm -hmm. We have no identity, that self-worth of the job giving this to us. So we have to become somebody else. And who is that person? What mindset do they have? What skills do they have? What network do they have? And then go get that. The cool thing is, I love the quote, Tony Robbins said, success leaves clues. So the first thing you go do, just (laughs) you've done Sue is you read okay great yeah. I want to become an amazing passive investor I'm going to reach out to the people right. that I'm in my network or who say 
you know, who my network says are the go-to people. Let me start there and have a conversation. The beauty of passive investing is that it frees you, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to free you up to do those other things that you want to do. So you're putting your money to work in the real estate realm, but you get to do other cool things while your money's working for you. Did I sum that up? pretty well for passive investing. Yeah, yeah. When you truly, so a lot of people will say real estate, especially if you're doing buy and hold real estate, it's all passive. Well, there's mm -hmm. passive in terms of income and there's passive in terms of your time. So what I'm talking okay. about is investing in other people's deals, private equity deals to where the operator is running the asset, not you. Now, um, I want to, if I can just do like 60 seconds sure. of education here. When you Absolutely. transition as a passive investor, you get to want you have, first of all, you have to understand your goals. That gets back to the, the what do you want, right? Um, mm -hmm. You have to understand your goals. You have to understand your risk tolerance because you're handing over that operational control to the operator. And that means what do you as a passive investor get to control? You get to control the operator you invest with, the market you invest in, and the deal. And I have a, a beautiful education system at, uh, and a webinar that I do weekly that's called Passive Investing Made Simple. If anybody wants to join that, totally free. You can come drop in. We, we pick apart all things passive real estate. But the thing that you hit the nail on the head, Sue, what passive investing allows somebody to do is to create leverage. Okay, because they can invest in somebody else's deal where that person is the, the strategy expert. I, I started investing in hotels. I didn't know much about hotels. Um, so I started investing there. I didn't know much about car losses. I started investing there. I, I was an expert in my lane. And I wanted to stay in my lane. I didn't want to have that tiny object syndrome, but I wanted exposure to these other asset classes. How do I do that? I go find the best of the best of the best and invest with them. So you get to leverage their knowledge, the, their ability to um, you know, find the market, put together the team, um, brokers, lenders, tax, legal, all of that. You get to leverage their ability to secure credit and lending, um, which right now I'm really digging because I'm not on the loan. I have My balance sheet is largely de-risked. Mm. I have my capital out there working for me. Um, mm -hmm. That is an exposure, but I don't you know, I, somebody slips, strips and falls on one of my single family properties, they can go after me. Somebody slips, strips and falls on the multifamily property. I'm insulated mm -hmm. a lot better there. Mm -hmm. You know, also you, you, you get to leverage their network and their, their teams that they built, you know, like for us, we have over 30 employees, um, you know, team members that are working on behalf of our investors to not only acquire mm -hmm. the deal, asset manage the deal, you know, manage day-to-day -day operations, all the finance piece, you know, 1031 exchanges, cost segregations, all of that on behalf of the investor. And I, guess what? My next trip to California or wherever I go, I'm not going to get those calls from the property manager. I'm not going to get to have to make those calls to Home Depot. I get to fire both of them. I get my time back yeah. and I get to share Me in too. the cash flow and the profits of the asset. There are those of us out here like myself, uh, I have a math degree, a math background, and I can run the numbers till the cows come home on single family, multifamily, medium term rentals, even commercial. I've done self storage analysis. I mean, I can run the numbers. I can see the money coming in. When I think about passive investing in what you're talking about, where you hand the baton off to someone else to do, 
Um, you know, uh, what goes through my mind is like, I can get a bigger, better deal if I do it myself. What advice would you give to me <laughs> where <laughs> I can see the one hand, I, and, but, but, and, and I want my freedom of time. Like I love to do podcasting. This is what I would love to do and be able to travel mm -hmm. and do what I want to do and allow my real estate to do what it's going to do. But I don't want to get a phone call right now, you know, telling me that, you know, my water heater burst. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. And I'll just share a funny Sorry. story. <laughs> I was doing a podcast of myself yesterday, yesterday, and we still have some, you know, personal real estate, controlled real estate that we hold. And I'm not saying liquidate everything, get it in passive or yeah. bust. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. I'm just saying you have to understand what you want and why do you want it and which, you know, ruthlessly evaluate your assets. And if they aren't giving you what you want, that time freedom, that financial freedom, that location independence freedom, do they have a space in your portfolio? Now, for me, my, my single family investments had a space in my portfolio until the point that I didn't need them anymore, until I had that foundation built up in my passive portfolio where you're like, I'm like, I'm golden. I can flip this switch, right? I have, because my single family rentals covered all of our, they, they had us financially independent right? So there's financial security, financial vitality, then financial independence, right? Mm -hmm. We could live our current lifestyle with the income that was coming in from our single family rentals. For me to flip that switch, and I'm not, I wasn't a high income earner. I, I had to do it that way. For those mm -hmm. people who are high income earners, you know, have their own businesses, legal, you know, yeah. maybe legal doctors or, you know, tech workers, your highest and best use is probably in your job and funnel that active income into passive real estate. You know, there's no, mm -hmm. I, you don't get a gold star for starting off as single family rentals. You don't have to. But for me, that was what I needed to do to build up equity to be able to invest in single family rentals. So as I continued to transition all of that income, as much as we could get all those refinances into the passive side of our portfolio, and then I sat down and I ran the numbers. My, I have a degree in epidemiology, very numbers and stats focused like you. I went, yeah. holy smokes, we're financially independent and passive invest in our, all of our passive investments. What do I want again? That question, those core questions keep coming up. Who do I need to become to get it, right? I had to break that mindset shift, right? We talked about unhooking your identity. I spent years mm -hmm. building my single family rentals. Those were my babies. I did, I blood, <laughs> sweat, tears over there. I had yeah. to unhook yeah. my identity again to sell off a large portion of that pro portfolio. And it took me four years to do it, to get it all, or, you know, 90% over to passive investment, investing. So it wasn't mm -hmm. all in one swath. Um, I think yeah. what, it was the 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 Rubicon that we crossed was that conversation, you know, um, you know, back in California where we're sitting there like, oh yeah, we could totally do this. We could totally sell them. Um, but mm -hmm. for somebody who's really numbers focused, right? Because that was the first part of your question, is they can tangibly see the numbers and that they might make more cash flow, they might make more equity in acquiring an asset in themselves. Now, maybe in single family, maybe in small multifamily or, or, or doing the asset themselves. Yes. And there, I guarantee you, there's one column you are not analyzing, one return you are not analyzing, and that is the return on your time. I challenge anybody to, to figure out how much time they're actually spending on their portfolio, or if they're leveraging out and hiring people in how much their, their payroll is to do that and figure out that 
re, you know, uh, return per hour. Because when you passively invest with great quality operators, great quality markets, and great quality deals, I guarantee you're going to make more. And I sat down and I did those numbers. I, I kicked and screamed. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. This is a lot of work. I got to bend my brain to figure out how many hours I actually put into this rehab project. And when I did that, I was, I was making great money, maybe $500 and $1,000 an hour, you know, between cash wow. flow and equity on my single family rentals. But for the effort that I was putting into the passive deals, I was making 50, 75, $200,000 an hour. Wow. wow. Where, so again, difference. it goes back to how do you wow. want to spend your time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> somewhere, right? And the biggest thing, you know, kind of piece of advice, you asked me for a piece of advice is don't get stymied, take action, right? If you buy single family rental, if you're, if you're going, you're sitting here listening to us and you're like, man, I don't know about this passive thing, but I can get the single family rental. Great. Mm -hmm. Go do that. Because at some point in time, you may love it. You might want to scale it or you may go, wow, I don't like this. I'm going to reposition. <laughs> or you created drag. Yeah. But you know, you've gotten started, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the beautiful thing of real estate. I mean, you can pivot. So just to go out there and do, and you make another great point too, just to go out there and do something. There comes a point where you just have knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. You just keep learning, learning, learning. At some point you have to just face the fear and say, okay, it's, uh, and, and position people around you, get a look, get the education you need, and then just go do it. I'm a big fan of core right. investing principles. And so if somebody's mm -hmm. stymied by fear and they've worked through the mind, well, for one, if they're stymied by fear, there's something in that mindset, skills, and networks you haven't solved. And maybe if, if you're like, man, my operating software, my mindset's all solid. I know what I need to do, but take a look at your skills. Do you have the analysis skills down? How, do you know how to find operators? Do you know how to find deals? Do you know how to vet deals? You know, that's where I can help you do it at Passive Investing Made Simple, the, that webinar that, um, class that I do. I'll, I'll leave people with this like little pearly nugget is right now there's a lot of start, people, you know, operators, and I shouldn't say operators, but people put a, like, they like generating fear because right, we are motivated to run from pain, okay, to get out of pain. Mm -hmm. But I want to let people know that you don't have to be fearful, even in today's market, even in this chaotic environment, are we in a recession where the inflation's out the, you know, you know, coming down, but we're still like, you know, the Fed's still raising the interest rates and that's learning to yeah. invest based on principle. And the mm -hmm. seven principles that I always look for in any core investment that I'm going to do is it has to preserve capital. Has to. I have to know that in some form or fashion that my money isn't going to go to zero. So for me, that rules out stocks, bonds, and mutual funds for the most part. Um, I have to put the disclaimer in here, obviously, that nothing is risk-free. You need to know what you're investing in. And this is where knowledge is the antidote to fear. Yeah. And I'll just, you know, for efforts of time, I'll just go through, um, you know, all sure. seven. But preservation and capital, cash flow. Okay. I like assets that cash flow now in today's environment. If it cash flows now in today's inter high interest rate environment, 
Mm-hmm. That's amazing, right? Um, you know, and especially okay. if it cash flows with a high quality business plan in order to increase that cash flow off over time, bonus for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be a way for me to take advantage of equity building. Now, there's market appreciation. And then there, this is why I love larger assets, institutional grade assets, you know, especially like multifamily, self-storage, car washes, is that there's a way for me to actually grow the NOI and get rewarded for it mm-hmm. in the value, mm-hmm. higher valuation. Whereas if I do this, with, this was another kind of like inflection point for me when I owning single family homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fantastic. Like I could do a rehab. I could get more in rents. I could get rewarded in rents. I might, you know, it'd be worth more in the market, but I was only as good as the, whoever sold their house the prior mm-hmm. six months. What happens mm-hmm. if the market starts going down? I, I didn't really have much control over that comparable mm-hmm. sale type valuation. So I look for ways, um, assets to where the valuation, you know, can be impacted by growing the income, decreasing expenses and adding additional streams of income. So I also look for assets that have tax benefits. Can it take advantage of depreciation and accelerated depreciation? Okay. Now a lot of people are like bonus depreciation. They're freaking out about it. A bonus depreciation is not an accounting method. Depreciation and accelerated depreciation is. Bonus mm-hmm. depreciation is an, a, a tax incentive. So even if bonus depreciation winds down and doesn't get renewed, we still have accelerated depreciation. We can still perform cost segregation analysis to push that depreciation forward to the first five years of the project, which still mm-hmm. makes real estate very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, can I take advantage of 1031 exchanges? That's another tax benefit. Okay, Can I continue mm-hmm. to move my tax bill down the road and potentially eliminate it if I die with the assets in place and, and pass it along to my heirs. Um, that is one of the biggest reasons why people become billionaires off of real estate. And then 